challenge yourself to become better every day because if you don't try something new, you might regret it in the future. Trying something new is better than having sadness in the future that you didn't do it. This podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. To help Ukrainians, we need to break the stereotypes because Ukraine is not just a former Soviet country, nor Chernobyl, the new generation of Ukrainians today, have unlimited potential. This podcast is to break the stereotypes about Ukrainians and show the greatness of Ukraine to the world. Hello, my name is Aziz and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help liquidate the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. He was a real hero for me and even though he struggled with cancer after that for the rest of his life, He always told me many great things about Ukraine and its people. Then, from 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to help build orphanages for Ukrainian children. I couldn't return to Kiev because of the pandemic, so this project is my volunteer work to help Ukraine. And thank you all so much for the support. More than 130 people participated in this project for Ukraine. From the vice president of the Helen Marlin Group, to the vice chancellor of the UGCC, to the president of the Erasmus Student Network Kiev, to the president of the World Trade Center Kiev, to students from the FLEX program, Yale University, Harvard, and the London School of Economics, to the United Nations to interns at the Ukrainian parliament and at the Canadian parliament to top 1% students in Ukraine, but not only them. This project is for all Ukrainians from all backgrounds. So please support this podcast by sharing an Instagram story today and mention the page aziz.future. My goal is to make interviews with hundreds of Ukrainians and the world is listening. This podcast is already top 100 in France and Switzerland, top 60 in the United Kingdom and Japan, top 50 in Austria, Germany, and Canada, top 25 on Apple Russia, top 15 in Belarus, Poland, and Australia, and top 10 in Norway, Sweden, South Korea, and many other places. Because this is now officially the number one podcast on Apple about Ukraine. Together, we will break the stereotypes. Together, we will help all other countries discover and respect the greatness of Ukrainian people. And this good reputation will support the development of Ukraine, creating more opportunities for every Ukrainian to have a better life. So let's begin. My guest today is Diana Shalashna. Diana is an English Access Micro Scholarship Program alumna 2017 
and Flex alumna 2018. She studies at Boris Grishenko Kiev University. Her major is International Relations, Social Communications. Recently, she has received a scholarship to complete a Yale University course, Moral Foundations of Politics. She is an active volunteer in her community and implemented at least three projects every month as part of her Flex Kiev City representative year. Diana, how are you today? I'm fantastic, thank you. How are you? I'm great, happy, and excited to begin. So I will ask you this. Diana, when you really want to feel alive, to feel truly happy, refreshed, and to enjoy the moment, what is your favorite activity to feel alive? I would say that my favorite activity that makes me feel alive and fills me with joy is volunteering. And I've been volunteering for the last six years. It makes me feel uh, that I'm important, that I can do something really special and make something great in the world. So uh, I hope that answers your question. Thank you. So what I heard is six years ago, you began volunteering and found that and found that this activity or this way of being makes you feel valued, makes you feel useful and contributing to the world and to other people's lives. Is this correct? Yes, that's totally right. And I hope that I will never stop volunteering. My experience will grow with me. I hope that for you as well. And to begin, what was the first moment that either you decided to begin volunteering or you fell in love with it because of some experience that made you think, wow, this is something I always want to do? When I was an access program student, uh, we did a lot of volunteering and we participated, we created our own projects, actually. And I remember that uh, once we went to a rehabilitation center for children and we decided to make a New Year celebration for them. And it was really fun for me. I saw that some people become happy because of what we did. And since then, I guess I just never stopped. I always wanted to do something that makes others and me happy. It makes others and you happy, especially those children in that experience in their rehabilitation location to help them with New Year celebration, correct? Yes, that's right. It was an amazing experience. And after that, I think that I've grown so much. I want to do so much more. You want to do so much more. And you mentioned two things. One, that you created, you as a group were creating your own initiatives. And now as the CR of Kiev, you also create your own initiatives. So to ask you, is there a difference whether in your approach or your level of happiness, if you create an initiative versus if you join an initiative created by other people? Oh, it's a very interesting question. Um, for me, 
it's uh, completely it's different uh, whether you join an initiative or you create your own. I used to join initiatives, but now I like to create my own projects. As for me, when I create my own stuff, I can be very creative. I can do it the way that I see it and I want it, and I can. Uh, I can reach the result that I want. Whether uh, wh- if I volunteer for a project, I just don't see the end result, you know. Thank you. So when you create your own initiatives, you can define the final success. You can be creative in how you make it happen, what results you aim for, and the boundaries or details of the initiative and that is for you a lot more joyful satisfying and fulfilling is this correct yes that's totally right and i also can experiment with whatever topics i want to implement for example i recently decided that i would like to uh, do a project with a drama and luckily we have a lot of uh, flexors who like drama, who participate in drama project. And uh, we created our own online drama club. If I want to do something ecological, I create ecological projects. If I want to do something for charity, I have a lot of space to think, to create. And that's what I like. This is great. And therefore, to ask you about your creative process, how do you come up with the ideas or the topics? Is it like some creative people where they're showering and someday they get a revelation or eureka moment about what to do? Or is it from observation, looking at what other people are doing and looking for what is missing and trying to add that? Or just playing, trying new things and seeing what happens without really thinking that it's more about being prolific rather than being a perfectionist. I don't know which one. Can you tell more? So first of all, I base on my own interests, what I like doing. Uh, For example, for a year or so, I led a speaking club which focused on English language learning because that's uh, what was interesting to me. But after that, I decided to challenge myself and to try something that I myself have never tried. For example, in November, I decided to lead uh, a blood drive in Kyiv, which means that uh, Kyiv flexors could donate blood. And I have never led such a thing. I have never managed uh, with hospitals and done anything like that. So it was something challenging for me. And I always tried to challenge myself to learn something more because, for example, I don't know about this topic or this issue, but I really want to help in this sphere and just bring happiness. So I try to experiment. Thank you. And I notice even from the beginning, you speak about developing yourself, about challenging yourself. Well, why is that important for you? What does that really mean to challenge yourself? And how does it help you share and create more happiness for others? In my opinion, challenging Uh, yourself is really important because if I don't challenge myself, I don't see any growth. I always want to find out more, 
to be aware of different situations, different events around the world. I don't want to be focused on one topic because I see that as very boring. So I really want to find out more about the world and make other people be interested in it. Thank you. And how does that work? Because there is a difference between making people happy with your projects and making them be interested. It's not even the same lane. Well, how does it work? Is it like in the beginning you have to make people interested and then you implement the initiative and the result will make people happy? Or is it different people? The people who are interested are the volunteers and the people who will be happy are those who need help and are in need? Or how do you think about this? So I would like to draw a specific example. It probably would be uh, more uh, relevant to answer the question. So uh, if, for example, I want to make an interesting project, for example, a drama club, I would find some people who who would like to participate but don't know if they would actually do it or they doubt. And I would tell them all the benefits of this wonderful project, how much fun we would have and uh, what would be the end result. And then to make them happy uh, when you show them that the actual result, like so much audience uh, came and we fundraised so much money and made this group of people happier, uh, a specific uh, center, youth center to be sure then we can see that the participants are both interested and they are happy in the end. So both goals work. Thank you. That sounds wonderful. And I will introduce something more philosophical, whether from Stoicism or from the Hindu religion or even from uh, cognitive behavioral therapy or accept, acceptance and commitment therapy, etc. What they say as humans we can only control the process, trying to control and think of the results, like how much money you generated or donations collected, etc., is really out of our control as people. So to be happy with the journey and the process is the way to not be stressed and the way to be full, fulfilled and happy. While there are other people who say, it doesn't matter how the process is, if you get the results, that's what it will be, whether people take it to extremes like Machiavelli saying that the means, you know, the end justifies the means, etc., or the means don't matter as long as you get the end result, or the pragmatic philosophy, well, they will say, get the results. That's what makes change in the world, not your good intentions. And those people could well, be stressed because of that, because results are not controllable. How do you approach this? Are you a person who knows how to deal with stress? And if so, what is your belief about this and your approach and comment? Oh, thank you for such a philosophical question. I was thinking about it. Uh, so I'm the person, I would say, who belongs to the group of people who like to envision the result. So I don't like to work without seeing the potential result, even though I cannot control it. I always try to at least come close to my perfect idea. And uh, so, yeah, I cannot make the result perfect. I cannot reach the total 
uh, idea that's stuck in my brain, but I always try to do my best to at least come close to it. And uh, of course, I can be satisfied during my journey. Uh, I won't be uh, putting myself in too much pressure because I cannot do uh, something um, more, something better. But I will always try to work my best and enjoy the process at the same time. Because if I'm not enjoying it, then maybe I'm doing something wrong and maybe the result is not worth it. Thank you. That's really cool and wise. And I noticed you mentioned you've been thinking about this. Well, these days, these weeks, what do you seem to be thinking about often? What seems to be on your mind that you're either trying to change, to improve, to have more of in your life or to understand deeper? Uh, right now, we are working on another theater project. We have actually a play uh, this weekend, uh, next weekend, it's approaching. So we are working on that and we're trying to attract audience and uh, have the last rehearsals run really nice. And uh, even... Uh, I always study in the university, so now we have to do a thesis statement. So I work a lot uh, on this part, and it, it's uh, also trying, like I'm trying to broaden my outlook in this way because the topic I chose, uh, I don't know anything about it, and I always do something like this. I take something that I never know anything about it, so I can explore. And yeah, these are two big projects right now, which are constantly on my mind. Great. But what is it about you that encourages you or pushes you to even in very important or like critical situations to still challenge yourself and choose topics and things you never dealt with before or didn't know about? What is the philosophy or the thought that makes this kind of a pattern for you? My idea about that is at least to try to get to know the subject because I don't want to be perfect only in one thing. I want to know many things and I don't want to regret in the future that I didn't do something different uh, because I don't want to focus just on one thing. And uh, to be honest, I get bored sometimes of repeating the same thing all over again. And this is why I try to take new things, even though I know that it's going to be more difficult for me. Thank you. And you said you get bored. How is that a positive and a negative in your life? Sometimes, uh, for example, when I led a speaking club, uh, I was younger. I didn't know that I could get bored with my favorite thing to do. Um, I found out that only English uh, learning, on English teaching is not... Uh, the only choice, the only project that I want to make in my life. And I want to uh, study some other directions and explore something more. And this is why I decided to uh, go study international relations, which is connected to English, but uh, not uh, only English. And uh, this is why I lead many different projects. And sometimes my friends and family ask me, why do you do this? Why do you do that? You're not going to be an actress. You're not going to be, I don't know, a social worker. I just do it because I don't want to be stuck in one sphere. Thank you. Yes, you don't want to be stuck in one sphere. And can you then speak about Flex as an experience? 
what did it teach you about yourself, your potential, or how did it change who you are as a person? Flex broadened my outlook so much during the time that I spent in the U.S. I came there being a little child, uh, as I look at myself right now, I look back at the time and I went, came back being uh, like, a, like an adult. And Flex uh, really taught me great leadership skills. I uh, learned how to manage my project, how to create projects. I also learned how to communicate with people properly because before that i was very shy i was very um i don't know closed <laughs> closed person i didn't like to communicate too much even though flex uh likes friendly people but they still gave me a chance probably to uh, make me a better person also uh flex is where i learned about tolerance about many different things that i didn't know about in ukraine flex taught me to love traveling but also love your motherland and want to come back uh and i really missed ukraine in the u.s i uh did a lot of stuff to popularize ukrainian image so flex taught me not just knowledge in general way like history and the government but many soft skills as we can say thank you soft skills or any kind of skills well you seem to be a youth leader as well as a very productive girl. And maybe part of that is your desire to not be bored, which <laughs> moves you and makes you create many projects. But if you were to return in time before going to Flex and teach yourself, what does it mean for you that to be a leader? What is leadership? What to change to be a leader? As well as some secrets of productivity you figured out. What would you share? Uh, personally, for me, I always thought that leader is a person who leads by example. It's not a boss. It's not a person who dictates rules. And uh, if I was to come back to the U.S. at that time and teach myself uh, all over again some leadership skills, I would encourage myself to do more projects because I only did the uh, obligatory projects. But um, my own projects, I was still a little bit shy and not so confident. Whereas now uh, I am almost four years back to Ukraine. Uh, now I'm not uh, as shy and uh, as uh, scared as I used to be. So I would encourage myself probably to do some more of my things instead of participating in other projects organizations which are not mine basically thank you and although you didn't mention much about productivity secrets but to make sure what does it mean for you confidence because that is a word that can mean so many things and you who went from shy and reserved to considering yourself more confident how would you describe how confidence is how it feels how you behave when you're confident and what it means. For me, confidence is being sure in yourself, knowing that uh, you can do something that you were afraid of, something that scared you, and you know that uh, you can do anything that you want 
uh, and it doesn't matter if you are an expert in this field or you're just a beginner who doesn't know anything but you want to try. So confidence is really crucial in uh, any person's life. And uh, I cannot say that I'm the most confident person ever. I don't want to be uh, self-centered and too confident, but I'm confident enough to apply to different programs, to uh, say my opinion sometimes, to lead projects. So my level of confidence right now satisfies me, but it took me a lot of years to overcome my shy nature. Many years to overcome your shy nature and all to encourage you to create those projects and initiatives that will help people make them happy and therefore give you more happiness, correct? Yes, that's totally right as a summary, yes. Thank you. And it seems you said that people say, Uh, You're not an actress, why are you doing that? And you're involved with theater. But in general, as hobbies, what do you like to do? Do you like singing? Do you like theater itself? Do you do yoga, painting, uh, reading literature? What is something that is a good, relaxing hobby for you? I enjoy reading and I try to... Uh, read at least for 20 minutes a day uh, because reading is something that gives me knowledge something that gives me power and because of reading I started to love drama uh, and trying to participate in drama Uh, I don't like uh, necessarily the modern literature I like the literature of the past centuries I like classic literature it's just something that lightens me up from the inside, because I know that it's something that I, that I cannot experience today, but it's some it's the way that people used to live. It makes me happy in some way. I also enjoy yoga as a sport. It's my favorite because I don't like being too active in sport. I just like relaxing, uh, yoga or stretching. And of course, I like seeing my friends, being with my family. Um, I like sometimes going outside for walks or doing something at home with my own hands, like scrapbooking or uh, doing some fun things. But I'm not a fan of singing. I don't have like talents to show others. I like studying languages. I've studied English, French, Turkish, um, and uh, I'm going to start German next year and Spanish. Thank you. Those are really great interests, and there is so much to talk about. But I want to return to classic literature, which made you fall in love with drama, and it lightens you up inside that when you read about the way people used to live, and you know you cannot live that way, but to read the literature that is classic gives you a good feeling and lightens you up inside, correct? That's right. It makes me feel something special, something uh, I cannot explain it with words, but I like the language in the classic literature. It's unusual. It's not like we have today, especially if I read uh, in original, in English, for example, it's completely different from what we have today. And I like something different, something uh, something difficult to analyze, to think, not just to see 
a phrase that is simple and you can understand it easily, but to see a phrase and to try to find a deeper sense. Perfect. So you like when it's difficult and you need to analyze it in order to uncover the deeper meaning in it. Is this correct? That's totally right. It's something that gives me a little bit to think about. So that's why sometimes I read books slowly. Uh, then usually I would read a modern book. But uh, at the same time, I really like to take a pencil or a highlighter. And my book is always colored uh, with different quotes and citations. I like to uh, make it colorful and uh, always highlight the phrases that look and seem deep and are actually deep. This is great. And how is this similar to you challenging yourself into diving into topics and initiatives that you know nothing about, but you'll need to figure out and get the skills and the deeper knowledge? I think it actually has a connection. I haven't thought about it uh, yet, but I can say that uh, reading classical literature requires you uh, some determination. You need to sit and figure out what is happening. And if you uh, forget about the book and leave it, you will lose the train of thoughts of the author. Uh, the same goes with the projects. If I, for example, uh, decide to take a project in this sphere or study in the university this subject, if I stop at one second and I don't come back to it, I will completely lose the meaning. I will not understand what is happening. So maybe I like digging into something to find a deeper meaning. Probably that's my idea. Thank you. And how is that helping you not get bored? Because it seems that people who get bored easily, if something gets difficult, they run away. So if they, they won't read the difficult books that need to be read slower, as you said, than usual, and therefore, if they find it difficult, they don't analyze and go deeper. So what is it about you that makes that something not boring, but rather keeps you interested? I would say that I like to... Um romanticize uh, the difficultness of some things, if there is such a word. If I look at uh, the, the project, the process of studying that I, need to that I need to make, and I see that it's going to be difficult, but I know for sure that it's going to be worth it. And I just envision myself sitting with the books, trying to figure out something. It just makes me feel like I'm a researcher. And being a researcher is very difficult. But as for me, it's exciting because you get to spend so much time figuring something out that in the end, you will find out something really unique, something that nobody or not nobody just a small amount of people can survive and find this information. So, of course, not everybody enjoys uh, reading some classical literature, taking something new, because it's it will take more time and it's easier to take something that you already know how to do it. But for me, I want to uh, take everything, small things from each sphere and gain knowledge and experience from each small sphere just to be... Uh, more intelligent, experienced, and have something to talk about with all the different people in the world. I love that. 
and we can speak about that, but I want to return to you saying you envision yourself as a researcher. Well, what kind of researcher is that when you imagine that being a researcher? Is it like um, someone who's digging in archaeology or what kind of researcher in an academic setting or a biology researcher? I don't know what is on your mind. What kind of researcher is that? And did you have experience in your life of seeing some character, movie, or person in your life that is a researcher that inspired that idea in you? Uh, first of all, uh, about the researcher, I would like to research more um, the sphere that I'm studying, my major, international relations. And uh, for me, it's really interesting how the system works, how countries cooperate with each other, uh, what they do in order to maintain peace, uh, to maintain positive, peaceful relations among themselves and in the world. And as for the researcher who inspires me, um, I cannot say a specific example, but in my university, I like that our professors uh, are all uh, people who are determined to do more and more research, and they inspire us also to do research in all the different spheres. So I don't have a specific researcher, but I'm just inspired by my professors at the university because they are uh, so aware of everything that you can tell them one country and they will tell you everything about it. And I'm really interested to be an expert in this field and also know something about other spheres of life just for my uh, fun experience. Thank you. That's great. And if I understood correctly, the pattern that seems to be there is you like to go dig deeper research into various spheres in order to find those gems that are not known by many people, which makes you special in that way, as well as allows you to collect so many different ideas that people that are not easy to understand or find and that not many people know. So when you can have conversation with a person from any background, you can speak intelligently about anything they speak about, have insights, and be special in that way. Is this correct? That's right. I feel like being an intelligent person who can speak about anything, who can uh, patiently listen and ask smart questions, it's a really big value because... Uh, just knowing one sphere without knowing all the others allows you to speak with a certain group of people. But if you have experience in different spheres and you also try to read a little bit about this and a little bit about that, it makes you special in some kind and people will cherish you as uh, a project, maybe manager or their um, partner or something that will make you be wanted in any company. Brilliant. And is this something you had since childhood or was there a moment or an experience that has shown you the value of being cherished as company and as a conversationalist and as a project manager for having a wide, varied and rich understanding of various topics? I cannot say that it was since childhood. 
something that made me a little bit special in the childhood is that I started learning French because that's what my mom encouraged me to. But uh, when I was uh, an adolescent, I was trying to learn something of different spheres. But uh, again, I wasn't so much uh, inspired into this. But now uh, when I'm grown, when I have experienced the life in the U.S. and I found out that uh, sometimes people are interested to listen about your history of your country. Sometimes they're interested to listen about politics or a government system. Then I found out that uh, I really want to know about my country and about different countries and to understand other people and they will understand me just to popularize the general idea of, for example, Ukraine and to find out more about the other things. I want to be wise. <laughs> the more information you learn, the more people you speak with, you become wiser and you uh, remember all of that. Bien sûr. And wiser. Well, how is that be related, being wiser, to sharing more happiness in the world and to convincing or inspiring people to participate in your project? I believe that if a person is wise, the person has experienced enough of things in order to know uh, how to make people happier or how to, uh, I don't know, invite them to the projects, how to make them uh, interested in different things. So, uh, for example, a person who has just begun uh, to develop in this sphere will not know all the details, but the wise person is the person who experienced it so many times that they have the algorithm to uh, invite people how to make a good advertisement in the social media, how uh, to make people be interested, how to make them happy after they finish this project with you, how they will be happy, or not even the project uh, it's just a small example, but globally, uh, it's it works the same. The more experience you get, the more knowledge you know how to make people happier around you, if that's a goal. Thank you. So if I understood correctly, wisdom is about having the algorithms within different spheres. And maybe this is an assumption, but maybe but many wise people say in any field, there are like five or six ideas that if you understood them, you know everything about that field and anything in it that is not those ideas is a derivative or a flavor or a nuance of, of that idea. So is it this approach that you take that you're interested in various fields, but it's more about figuring out the algorithm and when you figure it out, that becomes called boredom because you think, okay, I have this, now I want the next algorithm from the next useful thing so that I become a complete uh, person with a wide knowledge and ability to be competent and confident in various situations. Is this correct and or not? And what is your comment on this? I believe that uh, this is correct because I would like to be the professional in uh, spheres. And uh, it's true that you don't need to know every detail every year 
uh, of the event, every poster, every character to know this field. For example, history, you don't need to know everything uh, in this field, but you need to know key things in order to build up your knowledge. Uh, and for example, the same goes with management, uh, with uh, leadership skills, with uh, different creative uh, ideas. You need to know some key uh, things and then realize how you can implement them in your life. Because uh, we can say that hard skills are important, but soft skills, how you implement them in your life and invite people to join the movement, it's more important. Because hard skills, it's only for you. You know this. Uh, for you, you can share this as information, as insights. But uh, if you can use it as practical, uh, it's so much better. You can uh, dig into different spheres and then uh, find out an algorithm that works for this, for this sphere better, for these people, it works better. So, uh, yeah, that's an idea that I think that it's true, it works. Yes, that sounds a lot like the Pareto principle that you're looking for the 20% that gives you 80% of the value or what you call the algorithm. But tell me exactly what happened there. What were you imagining when you said the algorithm for this sphere, for these people? What did you imagine in your mind? Was it like a map, a mind map? Was it like you saw groups of people and pictures of topics and you were analyzing and connecting them? Because that was, you were speaking from seeing some imaginary metaphor for the way you think. So share it with us yes maybe it was like a, a mind map uh when i was talking about it the way i see it is uh, you cannot find one approach that works for every group of people for example if you try to connect with teenagers you need this approach if you want to invite adults to your projects, if you want to cooperate with them you need another approach it also depends on the sphere if you want to do environmentally friendly uh, projects, you need to know about this and you need to know how to attract this kind of people. So uh, yes, you need to know the general idea of how to make your project uh, appealing, but you need to also understand what kind of things can uh, be interesting to people of different spheres to kids, to teenagers, to adults of different spheres, to people who are interested in languages or in business. And uh, you cannot just uh, find one algorithm that works for everything. That's too easy. You need to uh, understand, to try to learn uh, everything and a little bit of everything if you want to uh, make big scale projects for different people. Thank you very much. Tell me more about that mind map. Is it 3D? What is in the middle? I now can imagine for you that the purpose, you had some of the branches. What interests different groups of people in order to attract them and get them interested in projects? And that there is a focus on that mind map on large scale projects that help people make them happier and have impact. And that it's not just one branch because it's there is no one algorithm or it's too easy to think there is one algorithm for everything so it seems to me it's about collecting algorithms 
collecting what interests different people in order to attract them and collecting how to create uh, large-scale projects but this is in your mind's eye so share more details like what do you see is it 3d is it 2d how does it work do you zoom in do you zoom out are there faces of people or just the words uh, how is that mind map in your brain because this is something that is responsible for a lot of your success the way you visualize the, and organize information and the pattern and your path in life, which if you can share, it could inspire some people to begin experimenting with such a visual imaginary mind map. So I used to draw mind maps uh, on uh, pieces of paper uh, or in my laptop. But now uh, if I think about it, if I close my eyes, I can see a circle in the center. Uh, that's my project. Out of the circle come uh, different uh, kind of shapes and lines, and they answer the question to what, where, when, uh, and who. Also, what would be the goal of the project, the name, the general idea, when, uh, exactly the time, when I want it to happen. I like to plan everything that happens in my life. I don't like to say that, oh, one day I will do this, or one day in in this year I will do this. I like to uh, come up with dates. Uh, also, where where I would like to do it. Uh, for example, right now, we do a lot of projects online, uh, and that's not a bad thing. It just makes my experience more versatile. Uh, then who? What kind of people I would like to uh, see in this project? Who is this project meant for? And also the other little section would be uh, how to address these people. What should I do to, um, to attract their attention? Maybe, for example, if I like to organize a literature night, uh, maybe I should use uh, some kind of metaphors in my invitation or poems or some, something with deep meaning. If it's ecological people, maybe I should come up with a challenge them and make sure that there is no uh, single plastic, for example, in my project that I would hang, hang out to them, or there is no uh, something that would uh, be uh, not relevant in the project. So I need to think about the details in order not to offend the people who would come to my projects. So basically, it's a big circle, and all the different shapes and lines come out of it. I love that. It's really cool. And then what else do you use in that way, not as mind maps, but in other areas of your life, or maybe when you're doing and studying classic literature or something like that, you have other visual metaphorical or tools that you use in your mind's eye. For example, when I'm reading, um, I like to draw something in the book. I see books not as something that needs to be clean or perfectly uh, nice. I want to see books as something that belongs only to me. And if a person opens my book, the person sees that the book is only mine because it's all colorful, uh, all in my special metaphors. I used to uh, have different highlighters to... Uh, use them in the book for something that would mean different things for me. Uh, that's how I would read. Or if I uh, do uh, studying uh, in some sphere, I would 
probably make an online poster uh, with different pictures, uh, unite them, connect them in order to understand what I should be searching for next. Brilliant. That is very, very good. And please listen to your heart and imagine it wants to share some piece of wisdom, a lesson, or an advice that the listener can really benefit from in their lives and that will be useful to you to remember as well, what would be this advice? Challenge yourself to become better every day because if you don't try something new, you might regret it in the future. Trying something new is better than having sadness in the future that you didn't do it. Thank you. So challenge yourself today so you don't regret later. Is this correct? That's right. But just a longer version that came from my heart straightly. Perfect. Thank you very much. And when it came from your heart, that touches the hearts of the listeners much more. Well, can you speak about the projects you're involved with right now? If people want to participate or to be involved or to see that theater play that you're working on, where should they go? As well as your own social media, so if people want to follow you. Yes, of course. We right now uh, are having people register in our Google form to become audience in our online theater, which can be found in my Instagram. Uh, and so uh, everything, basically, uh, what I'm doing, my projects, uh, are always in my Instagram, which is Diana Shalashnaya, if you uh, can find it by my voice. Uh, and so right now we're working a lot on theater projects. After we finish theater, I would like to create uh, presentations about international education with invited speakers, but that will be later. But for now, uh, I am working on a literature night, which are, we are organizing with a Flex Alumni coordinator and our Flexible Theater. Thank you very much. Thank you, Diana. It was an honor, a pleasure, and a privilege. And I'm really interested to know how every day you're changing, evolving, and improving your bigger mind map of your whole life and development of wisdom. And I wish you a great day. Thank you very much for having me. It was a wonderful experience, especially uh, thinking about it. It was my first podcast ever. I'm really glad to be a guest speaker here. And uh, I wish everybody uh, to be safe, first of all. And thank you very much 